Welcome everyone, this is Semi-Intellectual Musings. I am your co-host, Phil Primo. This is the podcast that looks at social sciences, humanities, and arts. Uh, we do it through book reviews, we do it by giving you our honest opinion about the published world, and wanting to put that into conversation with your everyday life. Today, we are joined by a special guest co-host, Sean from the Share a Slice podcast. Sean, welcome to Semi-Intellectual Musings. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, Sean, uh, so this is an interesting podcast uh, because I think it touches on a lot of interesting topics. And um, talk to us a little bit about what Share a Slice is because when I look at the, the feed, I see conversations with swingers, uh, drag queens, uh, Hollywood stars, uh, authors, uh, you name it. You got it on there. So I think that share a slice, um, one analogy, I guess, that's on the, uh, on the website that kind of, I guess, can make people uh, be a little confused about the show is there's a picture of, well, there was a picture of a pizza and there's also a picture of a pizza with me that's right, on yeah. the, on the logo. And, uh, I get some people saying, is, is this show about food? Uh, is it about, <laughs> yeah. um, is it about pizza? It's really about a slice of life. That's what I kind of mm, wanted mm. to start out. I before the show, before this show, I had another show called um, My Secret Atheist Podcast, and uh, yep. I was a bit of an angry atheist uh, for a while, and I kind of got over that a bit. And uh, I, I had really pigeonholed myself into one particular um, group of of folks or fine folks. I, I love. I love the community, but it just, I, I felt a little sort of boxed in. So after right, right. that, I decided I still wanted to do a podcast, but I'm like, okay, I want to do a podcast about me talking to people who I find really interesting. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like an anti-niche podcast. And what kind of fell out of that was um, kind of like a, almost like a pizza analogy. Again, you have like all these different toppings on a, on a pizza. Um, it, what kind, of, what kind of fell out of it was, um, I kept on getting guests that were considered unusual or in different subcultures or different, like, mm. you know, uh, not with the mainstream. And so, um, I never really set out to do a subculture based, um, you know, uh, counterculture-based podcast. It just kind of, I, I guess I kind of discovered that maybe I'm a bit subculture and anti-culture and uh, that's what kind of, or counterculture rather, and that's what kind of it just, and then in retrospect, I'm like, aha, I guess this is what this podcast is. Right, yeah. And for people who haven't listened to your podcast before, uh, what are, who are some of the people who you're talking with? You said uh, all walks of life, but uh, give us kind of a, what, what, what hits your memory as being, uh, the most memorable oh, okay. guests on your show? So, um, I'm actually a fan of a comedian in, uh, who lives in Hollywood and it's strange because she did, uh, Periscope 
um, a lot of Periscope back in the day. And uh, she was called the Princess of Periscope. Her name's Esther Povitsky. And I, I ended up being a member of the Esther Squad, which oh. is like, it's pretty strange. Even I retrospectively look at this <laughs> and think, hmm, this is a little weird. But yeah. I went over to, um, I went to LA to visit. I mean, I, not only did I meet Esther Povitsky, but I hung out with fellow squad members, a few of them there. I went to the comedy store, that kind of thing. And um, I actually, oh, and it was actually her who uh, recommended the uh, podcast equipment to me to start the podcast. Oh, interesting. But anyway, okay. so I went to LA and uh, I had booked a, an interview with the, um, with the um, Ethereus Society. And these uh, Ethereans, they're, uh, they're a cult, basically. Uh, they don't like the word cult. So we'll say uh, UFO religionists. Right. And right. Uh, they're in Hollywood there. So uh, probably one of the more memorable um, interviews that I had was I actually went to their, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, campus or compound. And, and all the buildings were painted pink uh, without exception. They were all pink. And I went into one of the tool sheds and there was they had this full um radio studio there where they i guess they do their recordings for other ethereans across the world and i ended up doing a two-part interview with uh, oscar leon who's a reverend of that church oh wow and after the interview where he told me all about how um you know space aliens and higher beings etc are going to bring about a new age on the planet etc etc um after that, he, you know, we all piled into the uh, the uh, white vans and uh, we went for hamburgers. And uh, uh, there was no memory loss. Uh, I'm fine. And, <laughs> That's good. To, um, good. Good to hear. Good to hear. <laughs> these are really nice people, and uh, I'm. I mean, I guess that's one thing that I learned was that, like, um, you know, that they're they're very very. Everybody at the whole, everybody, all these people, they're, they're all nice people. And, and I even told Oscar, I said, look, I think that this stuff that you believe, I mean, if you ask me, I cannot bring myself to believe any of this, right? Right, yeah. yeah. But I want to let you tell me and my listeners what it is you think and what it is you believe. And I will give you like a non-judgment zone hmm. where you can just bring forth your ideas, and then I will, I will accept that. And I will, and maybe at the end I might say, okay, uh, I don't believe any of this stuff, but, uh, thank you for being on the show. And I, right, I, I yeah, really enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I think like you touch on something really interesting with your show is that you do come from this kind of atheist atheism sort of background. Uh, like you were saying, you had a podcast on it. But then you're also talking with people who are devout believers in something. Um, so how do you how do you mentally prepare to encounter someone who just you know believes so much in I don't know aliens maybe or yeah, <laughs> whatever yeah, it aliens. is right like it can oh, be sure. anything but like void of any evidence uh, their belief holds strong. Yeah, I mean, uh, before I was in the atheist community, I grew up in a very religious uh, background, uh, Roman Catholic, Latin masses, the whole deal. Mm, right. So I, I, I kind of know a little bit about where, because, you know, you meet some atheists and they're like, 
I don't know how anybody can be dumb enough to believe any of this stuff. They'll say that. They'll be like, this is obviously false. And I'm like, no, actually, when you grow up with it, it's perfectly natural. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I mean, when I interview, for instance, I interviewed um, David Lieb Hart, who was on the uh, Tim and Eric Awesome Job show, I think. Tim and Eric show Awesome Job on Adult Swim. And um, I went through an entire interview where he was talking about how an alien helped him get over his porn addiction. Uh, I was, he was talking about how, you know, just how everybody with uh, Scottish or Irish descent comes from one race of aliens while everybody from, who's Nordic from some <laughs> right, other place comes right. from another alien. So I'm, I'm okay, actually okay. part alien according to this. Oh. And um, I go through it. And at the end, you know, I said, you know, I, I can't really, I feel like I owe them that at the end where I just say, this is very interesting, but I, you know, I just, for many people might have problems believing this, right? So, uh, you know, uh, what do you have to say to them or something like that? Because there's, you know, I can't find myself to the the chance to believe this stuff. And when you're interviewing people like this, um, it's, it's a fine line because you have to kind of like, uh, interview them um, in such a way that you're not you, you're not making it into a sideshow, right? You know what yep. I mean? Where yep. you're not yep. like, "Hey, look at this crazy person! Isn't this funny? Look at yep. all this crazy stuff this person believes!" Right? Yeah, yeah. because it could so, quickly go down that route, right? Here's a variety. It could become Here's, tasteless very quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what do you want listeners to get uh, from your show? I think that listeners, I hope, are going to realize it's part of the tagline of the show, actually, is that at base, we're all human. Mm-hmm. So you're going to learn, like when you listen to the latest episode with Sister Indica from the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, the uh, she's a yeah. drag nun, right? Yeah. When you listen to that show, you might listen and say, you know, you might have some preconceived notions about her. And what you'll realize is, I hope, what people realize is, Hey, she's a pretty fun person. There's she's there's nothing really weird about her other than the fact uh, that uh, you know she she dresses up in drag and she she goes to parades, etc. I mean, um, and and sometimes I worry that this might be sort of almost like a letdown. Like I'm saying, like I have this this episode title like drag nun blah 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 and people are like oh yeah this oh yeah this is gonna be great you know like a freak show kind of thing right? yeah it's gonna be a freak show and then you know i might start it out with i'll put the tantalizing stuff towards the front you know the freaky show stuff at the front but then the conversation is gonna go you know you're gonna hopefully you're gonna kind of become this person's friend and the same is true for the previous episode with jenna uh Jenna yeah. Jimenez, right? Yeah, yeah. The first thing I put is her talking about how there's no way she she would rather she would rather pee in an alleyway full of heroin filled needles than pee in yeah, a public right. restroom, right? Right. Yeah. I tease with that, and then she's talking about how you know when she goes to like she goes to concerts and you know camps and tents, she you know she poops in her tent and like all kinds of crazy stuff, and you're like, oh my goodness, she's nuts. 
But then when you reach the end of the episode or towards the end of the episode, you realize that, hey, she's actually got some pretty good reasoning behind a lot of this stuff. And she's been through a lot of stuff in her life. And she like, and she's got some very strong and cogent opinions about things. She's not just loopy because of these interesting practices she has. I want to come back to something that you started with by saying your, your hope is that we all see uh, that we're all human, that listeners see that we're all human. Um, Humanness involves things like sex, drugs, relationships, dieting, uh, peeing and pooping, right? Um, do you ever get uncomfortable talking about some of these things with your uh, with people who you're interviewing? No, not really. Um, I I come from I, I think that um, I, I think that my background uh, you you have different people I guess in different s- strata and I for ever since I like for years now I my. The circles I've been hanging out in have been what would one would call stranger and stranger. Mm. So I, I do sometimes have concerns that because I work in a very professional um, climate in corporate Canada, that um, that maybe people might take it the wrong way there or or something along those lines. I think that yeah. I have had an interview with one guest where he started saying some very interesting things about the Jews. Oh, and I actually cut it out. Okay, completely because okay. I, I because this guest, um, he had some pretty kooky ideas about a lot of things, and I just didn't want that to be in the episode. So what makes right. me n- more nervous than anything else, I guess, is if I'm having an interview with someone and then they start talking about you know how the Jews have really messed up civilization or something. And then right. I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah. Poop and yeah. pee not a problem for me. <laughs> yeah. And you know, counterculture or subculture to a line, which is no one's getting hurt. Um, that's kind of like, I've listened to almost all your episodes now and that's kind oh, of wow, a common thanks. theme. Um, you know, everyone is, um, enjoying their experience in the subculture or counterculture and no one is there to hurt anyone else. Um, they're all yeah. kind of, you know, especially if you go back to the episode on uh, swingers or feminist porn, it's all about consent. And, um, you know, if I had to kind of sum up your show for you, uh, my words would be something along the lines of like, uh, cultural consent. Everyone consents to having a culture. And these are just some of the other ones that exist out there, aside from mainstream. Yeah, I, 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 that sounds that sounds good to me. And I mean, um, to be honest, I never really ran into any interviews yet where I am with the person interviewing them, and I think to myself, this person is destroying themselves or this person is you know in trouble or this culture of it is just and and even when i interviewed um roxanne price the Mm. uh who works at the brothel in uh, las vegas near las vegas um i went into it thinking hmm what am I going to get out of this? Like, is she going to seem like she's being preyed upon or do I get the feeling that she's just towing the line or anything like that? And I, I never got that. I never even got that with the, uh, the UFO religion either. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think that if I were to get that way, though, if I were to get that vibe, um, I, you know, I mean, I pro, I, I don't, I'm not really sure what I would do. That's a good question. Like, would I present both the negative and the positive? I, I would probably feel obliged to, you know. Right. Yeah. But so, I haven't had that yet. So are these thankfully. are these principally unedited interviews you do, or is it? Do you kind of have like a a creative um, editing power over them. Oh yeah. So the very, the ones, the ones towards the beginning of the uh, series are very edited. And that's mostly because um, if you were to sit around waiting for me to pose a question, you could be there for like five minutes of me stumbling around, <laughs> okay. humming and awing and, and um, also um, and it, it, it just became less edited. So if you listen to some of the earlier episodes, I actually, I think I edit too much. And like, there's, I had one guest actually telling me, I don't speak that fast. And I'm like, oh hmm. crap. Yes. I edited too much. Right. Okay. Um, now the, as we've gotten further along, um, I edit less and less frequently now. So the, the edits are much less or um, before even I used to, you know, cut out, parts of phrases if they went on like it was pretty wild editing i always got permission from the guest afterwards like mm, i right. let them listen to the show these days i might do something like take part of a show you know like in a, an essay you're writing or something i might take right, part yeah, of a show yeah. and i might move it to the front or i might juggle the 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 segments around like i split it up in the logical segments and i juggle it but i do much less uh you know uh slicing and dicing um just because mm. it sounds more natural and i'm becoming more comfortable with the actual interview the way right. it goes yeah. yeah um so in the second part of our episode today we're gonna take a little bit more of a deep dive into the ideas of counterculture subcultures um but before we go there um i love asking this question to podcasters who have been around for a while uh, you know, aside from the editing and the 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 behind the scenes sort of stuff, um, what's something that you have learned by doing this podcast? I've I've learned that a lot of there are a lot of people out there who just want to tell their story, and it doesn't even matter who they are. Like mm. I approached Lloyd Kaufman uh, of Trauma um, through another guest mind you but i he agreed to be on the show people like if you just say hey listen to this show you're going to be able to tell your story mm. they will come on the show uh, so many other shows you you hear the host and it's almost like the host is there to um tell their story uh to whoever will listen so a big part of my journey is realizing that um don't be um don't be scared to ask even people who are famous to be on your show. It as so long as you tell them that they can share their story, because mm. a lot of people have a lot of things to say. Mm. I like that. Um, uh, sharing stories brings us together, and the the act of storytelling is a communal act, right? And it it shouldn't have uh, those social hierarchies. Uh, that we envision, like you're saying, someone who's famous, uh, um, I'll never get them. They won't want to tell me their story. Well, that's not true. Storytelling could and can and should 
bring down those barriers. Um, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Sean, uh, stay with us, please, uh, because I want to dig in to subcultures, countercultures, uh, and uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about The Rebel Cell, a book uh, about why culture can't be jammed. But before we do so, thank you for talking to us about your show. Where can folks find you? You can go to shareaslicepodcast.com. That website's going to have all the previous episodes and um, links to subscribe everywhere. Awesome. Uh, we're going to take a brief musical uh, foray uh, into a new project by Ketris Barnes, two-time Emmy award-winning composer, music director, pianist, vocalist, and uh, creator of Welcome to My House. Um, this is awesome, uh, Sean. They go to people's homes and they play classical music. Uh, big band right in the home. So uh, we're going to listen to some to some Welcome to My House um, when we come back. Subcultures with Sean from Share Slice. Well, I went to the bank and to the store. We don't talk about it anymore. I dropped by my sister, she got new floors. But we don't talk about it anymore. We don't talk about it anymore Cause your silence is your way of war No politics, no football scores We don't talk about it anymore Well, you were younger than you are today When you made those choices that you made When you swore that she was just your friend Well, we were both much younger then And I can still recall the way you smelled the way you lied and the way you fell The shower on at 3 a.m. Well, I don't want to think about that again So I don't think about it now But it haunts the walls inside this house and it's tangled in the sheets we left When I touch you and you turn away Some things are better left ignored Like the vows we made so long ago 
and the way that I called you my home. Back when every word you said to me burst with madness, ecstasy, and forever in life and love we swore. But we don't talk about it anymore We don't talk about it anymore mm -hmm. One, two, three, four Welcome back, everyone. This is Semi-Intellectual Musings. I'm your co-host, Phil Primo, uh, sitting in with Sean from Share a Slice Podcast. Sean, uh, your podcast focuses primarily on what we could call countercultures, subcultures, uh, things that push back against, uh, you know, mainstream culture. Um, but you're also Canadian. Yes. Yes, I am. Proud Canadian. Proud from, Canadian. From Arnprior, Ontario. And we have a little bit of shared history because you went from Ontario into Quebec, right? You're in Montreal right now? Yeah, that's where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I lived in Montreal for many years, as the listeners of our show know. Um, and I fell in love with NDG, the oh, community. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, so I have a little bit of a, a little bit of a story about why I was in an NDG. Um, I picked up and it fits in with the theme today. Okay. So this isn't one of those rambling stories like Matt does. This is a story with purpose. Um, so I was in Cafe Sheika um, right. on Sherbrooke Street and NDG. It's a famous cafe. Um, this is a plug for them as well, by the way. Um, and I picked up the book, The Rebel Cell, Why the Culture Can't Be Jammed. Um, and it's by two Canadian authors, uh, Joseph Heath and Andrew Potter, released in 2004. Um, why bring it up? Because I think... It's a book where we could start the discussion about counterculture. The thesis in the book is that countercultural movements have failed to affect progressive political or economic consequences. Countercultures are not a threat to quote unquote the system, that they don't actually push back against them. Now, Sean, having spoken with over 60 individuals, groups who are part of countercultures, do you agree with that thesis that countercultures have no effect on the on the broader kind of economic or political system? I got I got kind of two sides. I've got a cynical side and and maybe a less cynical side. But right. uh, I would say because I'm actually an, an an ordained minister in the Church of the Subgenius myself, 
And I would say that a lot of what you call countercultures are actually, a better term is, is subculture or parallel culture. Okay. So they, they live within the culture or underneath the current culture. So hence the word sub, I guess. So, um, so you'll have, um, for instance, uh, the drag queen that I interviewed, she said, you know, when she's at work, she behaves, uh, like, you know, she's, she's a he at work and she Mm -hmm. behaves, uh, you know, perfectly normally does her stuff, everything. And she said that, um, she said, you know, drag and her community, it's not, it's not McDonald's, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's not normal and, uh, nor should it be normal mm. and nor should everyone be in this counterculture. Also, um, with, when it comes to the church of the subgenius that I'm in as well, they see the rest of culture as being the normals. They call them the normals or the pink mm. boys or mm. the, or the Barbies and Kens. And uh, they are actually not really interested in um, having normal folk, quote unquote, unquote, join join the group and turn it into a normal kind of organization. Mm. Um, So you've got that side. But on the other side, um, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, the group that uh, that the this drag nun is in, you know, they helped they were part of the whole LGBTQ movement, right? And they helped to normalize this sort of stuff. Uh, You know, it, it, it's, I would say that, um, that inevitably counterculture also, I get another guest that I had on the show as well, uh, John law, who was one of the founders of uh, burning man. And he's also in the cacophony society and the, um, and the suicide club back in the yeah, day, yeah. Um, they did all kinds of crazy wild things. And uh, I don't think it's the goal of counterculture and subculture to affect change. I think it might, it, it might happen occasionally that change occurs because of them or influenced by them. But I, I just, I don't see it as a failure of counterculture that this mm. happened because again, I don't think it's, one of the goals of counterculture. Right, that it's not part of the intention it is no. to affect change. It's just, you know, part of a cultural experience. Yeah, and it's it's counterculture could be uh, part of a, um, like for instance, the Church of the Subgenius that is kind of an offshoot of um, Devo or, you know, or the, or maybe Cacophony Society, sort of Dada, like Dadaism. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, they are, they, it's like they built their own community to sort of, you know, be able to exist within or in parallel to, um, what they call the conspiracy, which is, which is normal world, I guess is what you'd want to call it. Right. But, you know, is it not the case that, um, punk, for example, the punk countercultural movement had at its roots, um, you know, partly a cultural display, but the other part was like uh, almost a utopian or utopic view of how the world could be. That part of being a, a punk involves a radical different understanding of economics, property, uh, you know, law, for example. Um, you know, do you find those sort of 
really radical different views of the folks that you speak to, or is it all based around cultural practice and shared experience of something that is not mainstream? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would agree that, um, you know, members of certain countercultures that I, I speak with and myself included, we have different points of view maybe about uh, what would be ideal uh, in society. I'm, I'm actually, uh, you know, more of a sort of a socialist. I'm, you know, I guess I'm a Canadian. Who knows? Who yeah, knows why? You know, but I'm more Canadian of a socialist. sensibilities here, right? So sorry, yeah. sorry about this. I asked a picky question about fine. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> and and you know, I I I I would you know I. I'm not a big fan of capitalism at heart and all that right, kind of yeah, stuff, which, yeah. you know, plays into all that other stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess there's some political arms, uh, around that as well. And I mean, uh, I, I just, uh, I, I personally see them as being more, um, I wouldn't call it escapes, but more like, like parallel cultures that kind of fly mm. under the radar right, of the right. of the main culture and it's like they they don't want to have anything a lot of artists for instance right mm. they they just don't want to have anything to do so what they do is they have their side gig where right. they do stand up or they do like you know art they sell art or they do editing or they a lot of them are in uh, are in radio in the church of the subgenius actually mm. Mm. so i mean they do their do they do that sort of thing, but they just do it to pay the bills, I guess. Right. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's what's kind of in the public mindset, like in the common parlance, right? So to speak. When you say counterculture, subculture, parallel culture, there's this um element of jamming that is right, that right, is present, right. right? Like we want to jam mainstream culture with ours. Like we want to be anarchists, for example. And then, uh, you know, being an anarchist means that you're an activist as well. So uh, anytime there's a picket line, because you wear the hat of anarchism, you're going to be there, right? Um, that doesn't seem to be what you're seeing, though. No, not, I mean, not really. Um, so culture jamming is a big thing, though. In uh, so, for instance, um, within the Church of the Subgenius, also within, um, uh, well, Dadaism is a pretty good early yeah, um, yeah. Uh, example of counter cult, like of sorry, of culture jamming. Uh, I mean, they basically subverted art, like the way we understood yeah. it, yeah. right? With the yeah. with the toilet seat there, yeah. uh, I can't remember the name. Uh, so there was that, and and also uh, cacophony society. Um, uh, what's another one? Cultures the the Billboard Liberation Front as well, a group yeah. that I hope to have on the inter the uh, podcast as well. Oh, nice. um, all of these guys, like and girls, they all like um, practice culture jamming. I'm not sure if everybody quite knows what that means, but it, it basically, my experience of it is very very like Dada is like you take the the culture, the prevalent mainstream culture, and you like. I wouldn't, you kind of twist it around yeah. and you, you, you play with it and you, you, you kind of mock it and then you push it back out again. So this could be sound collages. This can be visual collages yeah. with billboard liberation front. They actually went in and they, um, and they like rearranged signs, right? Exactly. Like yep. billboards. Yep. Uh, yep. so, 
and then also there were other ones there were films there was uh there's uh, there's the the Santa Claus parade that happens which is thousands and thousands of Santas and it these are just things yeah. where it, you look at them and it like it it like it kind of like jars a part of your brain awake like you're kind yeah. of lost in society and then you see this and you're like that's weird that doesn't belong here and it can kind of jerk you out of the 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 normal and put you yeah. into a sort of a super sensual kind of uh, point of view and 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 at the in the early days I think that um, Burning Man was another example of this before mm. it became mm. like a da- giant dance party where like <laughs> uh, you know it was like this is this um, initiation this sort of ceremony breaks you out of the normal right. And it, yeah. it like breaks you out of the system. Yeah. Yeah. So the term was actually coined in 1984 by Don Joyce um, of Sound Collage. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it had to do with their release of their album, JamCon. But the phrase culture jamming actually comes from jamming radio waves. Um, so it was the idea that like, um, you know, FM or AM radio waves could be pirated and then used yeah. as a vehicle to send or disrupt uh, certain messaging, right? Um, so it's the same sort of philosophy by switching up billboards. Um, and you know, as you see that a lot of things happen with radio, um, it grew out and it started kind of a movement, right? So a lot of people who were doing culture jamming in the uh, mid to late eighties then went on to start their own independent radio stations or internet radio, and uh, you see like these guerrilla forms of communication kind of opposing mass communication, mass media, right? Um, so like it has that sort of, I think anyway, it has that sort of politics behind it, which is uh, there's mass media, it's capitalistic, uh, but we could create something different and edgy and make people think. Um, so like I'm naturally drawn to it. <laughs> I think it's... Uh, I don't agree with all the practices of cultural culture jamming. I think some of them are quite risque, but I like the idea behind it. I like the idea that we could subvert certain messaging into others. Yeah. And actually, um, if you want to go back a little further, again, I bring back data when I dis- like when I discovered dataism and I discovered yeah, right. dataism through the church of the sub genius um, in their a rise movie from the um i think it was the early 90s they had the word dada there um with dada i mean it, it that was a form of culture jamming and also you can trace it through to i mean they didn't have the word maybe mm, but yeah, you you yeah. can trace it through um, monty python as well yes, exactly or uh, yeah. fire fire sign theater some of these other uh older uh groups um, and it's just a, a lineage that goes forward. Um, yep. I mean, uh, Monty Python, it's the same thing. They were constantly making fun of the sort of stiff, restrictive, boring uh, world that they grew up in. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Dada, even to this day, kind of retains like a radical left um, on the political spectrum anyway in Europe. Um, yeah. So like... Um, much like Monty Python, I I think anyway, anti-bourgeois kind of willing to 
reject the logic of capitalism and the kind of reasoning behind um, economics, so to speak, um, replacing it with, you know, pure artistic expression, like art for art's sake almost, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And uh, actually in the uh, places like Germany, it was it started out as actually being, um, you know, uh, a more of a vicious, uh, not vicious, uh, militant uh, political movement. Right. And yeah. Yeah. With within uh, Dada, you have like Ubu Roy, for instance, and uh, this it was famous in in that era. This play and this, well, Ubu Roy, I guess you know the French for <laughs> yeah. king and yeah. uh, not the goaltender. Right. Sorry, other Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, that would have been interesting, though. And uh, yeah, he he is the you know the ultimate bourgeois, the ultimate uh, you know uh, emperor with no clothes. Uh, mm. I can point to a world leader right now that some of our listeners might jump to mind right now, where you have this like uh, <laughs> this just bourgeois idiot. Anyway, I won't go any further. Thug is another word, but yeah. 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 Hmm. All right. Um, So because you do a podcast and we we are on a podcast and we're talking about counterculture, cultural jamming, do you see the podcast form as being able to be kind of the new way that we could do cultural jamming or a new parallel culture uh, that exists? Or is it something that is already too mainstream? Like, are we just trying to play with the big boys on the radio, so to speak? So um, I think that uh, radio, I mean, college radio, definitely was the podcasting of the 1980s Mm. and the 1990s. So you have shows like uh, Puzzling Evidence or Hour of Slack and some of these others that are very, very like counterculture. Um, So... I mean, there was that, and but these days with the internet, um, with podcasting, um, I do think that uh, it could be sort of a lot like the next round. Like podcasting mm. just came along, where where you know all, all the radio and all the television has been all consolidated. It's all owned now. I mean, uh, almost yeah. all owned. So, yeah. Yeah. podcast is the sort of new breakout. Um, now, a lot of the big boys are doing podcasts now. So, I mean, we'll see what, what happens. But I think that there'll yeah. always be like, uh, like within, not always, but when, I'd say in the next five years, it runs a pretty good chance of being the next college radio podcast. Hmm. Where, and the, the, uh, the beautiful thing about podcasts is that, I mean, there can be like half a million podcasts out there Whereas with radio, you can only have a certain number of radio stations taking up a certain number of frequencies in a certain number of cities, right? Yeah. But with podcasts, there's just no limit. Like, you can just spit them out there. So, um, I mean, yeah, I think that they could be the next uh, the next major counterculture. Uh, and uh, other than sort of a glut where, like, you know, it's difficult to get your voice out there because there's so many other podcasts. Uh, other than that, I think that uh, it it presents a good uh, opportunity. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I would, you know, um, I get asked this question sometimes um, and 
I think as a, a genre of sociability, uh, I think that's the best way to put it. It is different than uh, the options that are currently available. And the growing number of people who are going towards podcasts is, I think, an indication that something is happening. Um, when you look, just look at the statistics of podcast listeners, they're enjoying that type of sociability, that type of exploration. Um, again, I think it's a fitting theme with your show because in one RSS feed, I can globetrot, essentially, around different parallel cultures, subcultures, uh, countercultures, right? And learn so much um, about how people live uh, in a very interesting sort of style. Um, and carry on my day. Drive to work, work, uh, you know, go for a jog, that, exercise, right? It, isn't it interesting the way the media went? Because um, I remember uh, watching, listening to a, um, what was it again? There was, there was a, okay, there's MTV. There's this show called Video Killed the Radio Star, I think. And then I remember seeing this, um, this parody back in the 90s or early 20 hundreds, 20,000. No, you know what I mean? 2000s. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where it was like, it was uh, internet killed the video star. It was a, uh, a remake yeah. of that. But isn't yeah. it interesting the way, like with the iPod, people are listening yeah. to radio now. They're just yeah. listening. They're, they're listening to audio yeah. like they used to, yeah. you know? Yeah. The, the one thing though is that what I found is that, um, and I had to resist the urge, I, I still find myself falling into this trap is that, uh, podcasts aren't radio. So, mm. I mean, the format is not the same at all. So, um, you, you need to tailor your, your podcast so that you're really, you, you have a chance to deeply explore a topic where you didn't have that on the radio. So it's interesting. It's, it's almost like a book on audio kind yep. of that you, people can yeah. carry around and, and people are listening to radio now again. I mean, I thought yep. personally, I thought that that would go away. So. You know, uh, when we first started our show, like in the opening weeks, um, I, I made a prediction, personal prediction that radio was going to be killed. Um, but since I think I've revised that and I kind of see radio, at, you know, having the AM channels, the, your standard kind of live FM feeds, but then a third option. And you, we're starting to see it. And that is the podcast radio, right? You can jump in your car, yeah, yeah, yeah. hit podcast. It's like a new kind of FM channel. Tune into your favorite show, uh, on demand radio sort of thing, right? Um, and the FM stations are going to get listened to. You know, I listen if I if I don't have a podcast to listen to or I don't have my phone for some reason, I'll turn on the FM and I'll listen to radio. I'll listen to the CBC radio. That's uh, my favorite uh, thing to listen to. So I don't see it dying. I don't see it going anywhere. I see it changing its format though, and I think it needs to be much more conscientious of its listenership. And I think it. It's got a lot of uh, competition now. Yeah. A lot of competition. Yeah. And um, I think uh, I'm going to leave you with the last word on this, but if um, you had to sum up, uh, you know, counterculture, subcultures, parallel cultures, and kind of one sentence, uh, what they're aiming to do, you know, I would, I, I would venture that they're aiming to listen to their fellow followers and tailor their activities to them. And I think that's something that podcasts need to do, something that FM radio needs to do. But um, Sean, give you the last word on countercultures. What do you think countercultures need to do? What makes them successful based on your experience uh, on ShareSlice? 
for a counterculture to survive, you need to have like uh, some sort of um, community. In order for there to be community, you need to have something to bond that around. And um, with groups like the Subgeniuses, that actually was kind of kind of radio, to be honest. Mm. And mm. Uh, they have they were had like five or six radio shows. So with the internet, that the internet has caused an explosion of countercultures, and the accessibility is amazing. I mean, if yeah. I want to, I'm yeah. like, oh, I want to interview somebody who uh, has relationships with inanimate objects. Let me just type this into Google now, and I'll find someone. Right? Yeah. That was unheard of before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, I, I think that um, I, I think that the countercultures will follow. Um, I don't, I don't really think there's anything they really need to do other than to just keep, uh, finding each other and meeting and, uh, you know, forging out new ways to think and new ways to, uh, to live, um, you know, barring some crazy government shutdown or, or clamp right. down yeah. really, they, they, you know, uh, you know, I guess that's possible if some fascist government comes along, but otherwise, um, I, I think that they just, you know. Very good. Carry on. The internet has helped yep. a lot. Yeah. You guys just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. So keep doing what you're doing. Uh, thank you, Sean, for coming on. Thank you for co-hosting this episode with me. Uh, it was a pleasure. Yeah, it's been wonderful. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I'd be glad to be on again anytime. Uh, I think I'm going to take you up on that. I think I'm going to have to. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> I enjoyed this too much. Uh, so keep doing what you're doing uh sean we love your show uh could you tell us where listeners where where can we find you well you can find me on share slice you can also check me out at slices podcast on twitter and share slice podcast over at instagram and of course I would like, well, I guess everyone's already listened to this show, but I'm definitely going to recommend that everybody listen to this show when I release my next episode, because it is okay. awesome. Uh, you listen to the next episode. Uh, again, thank you so much. Um, you can find us on Twitter at the underscore S I M underscore P O D. You can also find us on Facebook at uh, the SimPod. We uh, release on the sim.podbean.com and very soon, so starting April 1st, very, very soon, uh, episode zero of Chronicity series will be released. So make sure to subscribe, follow, like, share, do all that uh, that you do. Uh, we're going to leave you with some more tunes from Welcome to My House by Catrice Barnes. Uh, check her out. YouTube has a lot of videos, and we're going to link to all that in the show notes. It's my house. Thank you, Sean, and again. I and talk to you all next week. It's my house and I live here. There's a welcome mat at the door. And if you come on in, you're gonna get much more. There's my chair, I put it there. And everything you see is with love and care. It's my house and I live here. I wanna tell you it's my house and I live here. On the table, there's
it's a rose Through every window A little light flows Books are feeling On the shelf above Cause it was built for love It was built for love Yeah. 